My name is Cole Roberts, and you're listening to the Way Up North podcast, and today we're speaking with legend Michael Antonia. This is not a business episode. We're not going to get into entrepreneurial tactics or anything clever like that, and it's not meant to be a political episode either, but it's definitely going in that direction at times. And the reason why is politics is something Michael is extremely passionate about. It was the root that made him start something exciting called Dance Royale. Dance Royale is something that I've seen him do from afar, and it seemed like it's just such an interesting project. So the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with him is to learn more about it. And I actually didn't know how politically you know, motivated it was, so it was interesting to learn that. If you're going to get anything out of this conversation, it's to start something you're passionate about. And I mean, that's no nothing new to many people who are self-employed, but it can be as simple as a project. Start and conclusion, just a simple project that's rooted in your passion. Anyway, here's Michael, and we spoke in mid-April 2019. Enjoy the chat. All right, my main man, Michael. What's up? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I guess uh, to start with, thank you so much for the party the other week in Um, France. (laughs) Hell yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was a messy, messy party. Um, so I, I guess if someone's just picking up this podcast and has never heard of you, uh, my introduction to who I think you are um, could be very long, but I'll sum it up by saying that you're an am- amazing DJ and even better entrepreneur. That's my opinion by now. Uh, you're a family man. You've got a lot on the go. You live in LA and you've got great hair and that's, that's you in a nutshell. Um, we have previous podcasts that people can listen to to get a little bit deeper. But what I wanted to talk to you about today um, for a few minutes is Dance Royale. So why don't you start with what that is and how it came to be? Sure. Um, Dance Royale at its very core is a reaction to the political state of the United States at this moment in time. Um it really started for me uh, when when um, Fat Boy Donnie got elected uh, president. I hesitate to use that word because he's pretty much the least presidential person possible. But um, I thought to myself, there's got to be something that my community can do to help the people who are going to be marginalized by this person's racist, bigot attitude and outlook on life. Um, And so our very first charitable event was called A Night to Forget, and it was on election night (laughs) uh, (laughs) when when Trump was uh, inaugurated. And, um, or sorry, it was on the inauguration night. And uh, and basically all I did was I said, we're going to have a dance party. We're going to have it at our office. Everyone's welcome. There's no entrance fee there's no anything there's a suggested donation and all the money that we make off of the uh off the gate and off of bar is going to go directly to the aclu and we made a staggering amount of money something like five or six thousand dollars just you know just by throwing a dance party on a regular night there was nothing special about it we turned off the lights moved all the furniture out and and turned on a sound system and went went nuts and so I thought about that for a long time. And then I thought there's got to be something more that I can do. And I reached out to all of my friends who are like really politically connected 
people who work in city council, people who work close to the mayor's office. And I started saying, like, look, I have a, a wide net, a community of people. I have people who are photographers, who are videographers, who are event planners. We have an event space. We have uh, DJs. We have a furniture company. In addition to that, like you, we know caterers, we know bartenders, we know people who run all of the small businesses in the event space in Los Angeles. I can get all of those people to donate their time for any cause that seems to be helping to push the needle towards protecting basic human rights of everyone in our state and, and in our nation for that matter. And everyone kind of looked at me with a dumbfounded look on their face. And nobody really knew where to plug my abilities and resources in. And so I started kind of proposing events like, hey, you could have a charitable auction at my event space. I won't charge you. We will provide the furniture and the food and the music and the booze and the entertainment. And we'll document it so that you can show other people and get more donors to come. And then we'll do another one. And we can do these once a month whatever you want to do. Again, people just looked at me like I had three heads and they just didn't understand what was being offered up. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's a case of when a charity needs something, then they go out and source the thing that they need. And that's the way they do business. They're not used well, to just everything. If, if I could, if I could just slide in there, like what came to mind when you mentioned maybe their suspicions kind of arousing is like with an idea like this, which sounds to me like it, it came from something that meant a lot to you. Like this is a, a you were politically motivated almost. However, there were, there could be seen as a crossover into how this benefits your business. Do you think that that was an obstacle that you had to overcome that this was a uh, sort of a marketing ploy of some sort, which it wasn't. I mean, it doesn't sound like that to me, but maybe that's where the suspicions came from. Yeah, I, uh, I hadn't thought of that. That's a possibility. Um, I got to say, though, from my perspective, even if somebody was trying to sort of promote themselves while, while being politically active, I mean, isn't that the way the world works? <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, that's what the politicians are doing. That's what all the people who consider themselves civil servants are doing. They're all trying to get reelected. They're all promotional at all times. I, I think it was more, man, I think it was more that there just wasn't a, um, you know, a clear framework around how that could be executed or how that could be used to great effect. So anyway, rather than belaboring that forever, that took me a, like a couple of months of just getting defeated. And somebody who I know who is really politically minded here in town, who, um, you know, has worked at the mayor's office, who's worked alongside people from Obama's staff. Um, she took me and introduced me to our local charter school here, right here in Highland Park, right by our office, which is very low income, like in some cases below the poverty line. These are kids that have absolutely nothing. And we did a tour of their school and, and most specifically to um, look at their after school program. Um, and I kind of didn't exactly know what I was getting myself into, but we signed up to be contributors to help raise funds and awareness for their after-school program. These kids are just like wildly energetic and creative and excited and like having, having like a truly beautiful experience at this school because of the staff that's around it. And uh, it's called Academia Avance. And, and I, I saw something there that I realized was much more important than the biggest agenda of the federal government which is that our local 
economy is what drives the daily um, ups and downs of our lives. And that local economy is mostly run, well, I wouldn't say mostly, it's about 50-50 run by um, people who are at or below the poverty line. And those people are being marginalized the heaviest by our government. And so we started to set out to raise money for this school that had nothing. It's kind of like reverse white privilege in a sense, which is I have all these resources and instead of just using them to benefit myself or to promote my own wares or to, um, or to increase my bottom line, I was trying to use them to shine light on this school and on, on these kids. And so the way she explained this to me was you're going about this in a way that you're trying to bring down King Kong. But what you really need to do is start on the very ground and get like, you know, the smallest piece of the puzzle solved. Because once small change starts in the community, then that expands out to a regional change. And then that expands out to uh, maybe a statewide change or at least a countywide change. And so we started really putting our targets toward things that were going to help our community specifically. The biggest thing that our community is facing is deportation, um, illegal immigrants or people who are uh, one of the dreamers, which means like people basically waiting for their permanent visa, people who were born in America who've never lived anywhere else but are not exactly uh, legal American citizens are being deported in mass, just sent to a place they've never been to before, separated from their families People who are coming across the Mexican border are being uh, separated. Children are being put in cages. Children are dying in custody. And, um, and we decided that that was the thing that we needed to focus on. And there's an act called Keep Families Together uh, that I think is about two years old now. And, um, and there's a, a smaller body that helps raise money for that and, and do legal work for these people who are being attacked, essentially. I can't think of another word. Um, and they're called CHIRLA, which is the Citizens for Humane Immigrant Rights of Los Angeles. I believe that's what it is. And, um, and so we connected with them, and we said, we want, to, we want to throw a party, we want to raise some money, and they were just wide open arms. So when, when you pitched this idea and you were facing resistance... Uh, like I remember when I, when we met, uh, in France the other week, one thing that you said, uh, when we met the day after the party was we, you were mentioning, uh, the economy of words and how important that is. So when you were communicating this idea to the people resisting the idea or suspicious about it, like what were, what were, what was your economy of words to communicate like directly? This is what I'm going to do. You mean before we met with Cherla and before, like when we were kind of being turned down or, or exactly, just... exactly. Yeah. I don't know that I had a good way to explain it. And, and here's an explanation that I use often when I think about these things. And, and I think I use this in the workshop is that if you have to find uh, something very unique, like a part for a washing machine, a specific washing machine, I don't know why that popped in mind or, um, you need a solution to a problem that you've never faced before. You kind of go on the internet and you Google it and maybe you find a couple of companies who maybe could help, but it's not like completely spelled out on the website. Like, Hey, just call and ask for part Z three, two. 
you call and you go, hey, uh, oh, hey, I have a washing machine and it's doing this thing. And they're like, uh, hold, please. <laughs> and then you go to the next person and you're like, hey, my washing machine, it does, it's, well, when it's in its dryer mode, uh, it's doing this thing, it's making a buzz. And they're like, I don't understand. And then finally, maybe you get to the point and they say, oh, yeah, sorry, we don't have that. Maybe you should call Jim and you get Jim's number and you call and you're a little bit more eloquent at explaining it the next time because you know just a little bit more about it. And then Jim doesn't have it and he gives you the third person's number and then you're just like, hey, I'm looking for parts. And then they automatically transfer you. And then you're like, hey, I'm looking for the PS43 for the, you know, the Z model. And they're like, no problem. Got it in stock. 35 bucks. Come get it. And... That's that's kind of what we were facing when we were looking at these really big groups, especially like the ACLU, which is a, a nationwide huge corporation at this point um, that's fighting for so many basic human rights that they're, um, they're a massive, I, I assume there's tens of thousands of volunteers and employees, and it's kind of like too big of a beast to move with one guy or a few guys here in Los Angeles. and. Um, and so what I came to understand when I got to know a little bit more about what we were asking was that they didn't understand what we were offering. And so that's what made me ah, interesting. So I don't think, that, I don't think that I ever got eloquent at offering the service. And, and, you know, I know that there are some people who have since started like creative agencies simply to, um, you know, promote human rights and, or to raise money for these organizations. And they're kind of like, they're kind of operating like a traditional ad agency where they have an in-house staff of designers and producers and um, art directors and photographers and all of these things where they can help um, produce ad campaigns essentially to, to raise awareness, or they can help produce um, social media campaigns to, um, to raise funds or whatever. And, and that's cool. I don't have time for that. I have four other businesses. I, what I was proposing was, you know, simply like we do an event, it'll raise X thousand of dollars and we'll give it to you. Wow. <laughs> or you have an event and we'll come do every single thing on your list for free. That way you don't have to pay for anything. You just keep all of the profit. Um, it still just didn't, it didn't translate. To so I'm, I'm thinking of like maybe Anna in Karuna, Sweden or, or somebody in, Europe listening to this, who's kind of from our, our little community. And a lot of people I feel will be hesitant to, to take the plunge and and do a project such as this because they can't see the end. Exactly. It's murky at the end. Mm -hmm. So in your situation with, with maybe this project or with other ones, when you can't see the end, how do you know it's okay to start nonetheless? Uh, that is an excellent question. And I don't know that I have a really good answer for it. I've never been able to see the end of any project that I've started. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just crazy and I just start things without knowing what's going to happen. But, um, I guess I have faith in the process and I have faith in the, you know, the basic goodwill of, of people. And I know a lot of people and I believe that if you're asking for the right thing that people step up and in this case, it couldn't have been more true um, for Dance Royale, which is the, the latest event that we did to, to benefit Keep Families Together. Um, I managed to wrangle up 50 vendors to be um, to, to 
take part in a silent auction. So they all donated either their services or products to be auctioned off at this event. And then between our group of people, we had um, about seven or eight different companies represented who were producing the event, who were um, hosting, a, you know, in essence, it was a dance off, it was a dance competition. And the there was a couple prize and a single prize, the couple prize won free wedding with all of our services at office party, nearly a $50,000 package. And uh, the single prize was an event of any sort at office party with all of our services, which I think was like a $30,000 prize. So those were kind of the marquee draws, like, you know, to get people in the door and to get people dancing and having a good time. Because at the the end of the day, what we wanted to do was have a good time and raise money. Um, But we ended up with three or four food vendors and three or four beverage vendors and people donating um, all sorts of time and, and product and service to this one end goal. And when we started, we didn't know that we were going to do a silent auction. We didn't know that we were going to have all those food vendors. We just simply knew that we wanted to throw a party and we figured that if we got enough people to come through the door and do a suggested donation, that it would cover costs plus give us a little bit of money to donate to uh, keep families together. And through the process of brainstorming and of just throwing ideas at a table and having, um, you know, a lot of all hands on deck meetings. Um, we were able to, to really come up with a bunch of different initiatives and different ways to, to raise money, which was a huge benefit. And, you know, this is now our fourth event of this sort for, um, mostly, um, political uh, organizations and by far the most successful one. And, And to me, it's just a thrill to, to be a part of it and to do something positive for our neighborhood. So to me, I guess the, the long winded, definitely not economical <laughs> word usage version of answering your question is, um, to, I guess, to trust, to trust in, to trust in yourself, to believe in yourself, just like all of us have to do as small business owners or, or as, um, freelancers is we all kind of go out like out into the wind naked and hope that somewhere along the way we find some clothes <laughs> and then, you know, somewhere along the way we're going to find shelter and food and water and, and, you know, and, and, and grow a community around it. And, but we all kind of start at a, at a point of um, being very unsure of what's about to happen next. And I think that's kind of part of the beauty. Man. Amazing. This is exactly what I was hoping, uh, hoping to hear, you know, like I, we've done quite a few podcast episodes and of course you've been to way up North and some people listening may have as well. And, and you kind of hear similar themes over and over a little bit. I mean, that's because we're kind of all in a little bubble. And when I heard about what you did with dance Royale, it's like totally outside the bubble and it is political, you know, there's a lot of politics motivating it. You can hear that you're passionate about it and that's cool. So I hope that somebody out there can get an idea to, uh, to start something themselves. That's maybe a little bit, you know, uh, you know, it's spawning from something they care deeply about, um, which is exactly what you're doing. Well, and that's exactly it. Like for me, it's, it's, it's politics. I'm a very politically minded person. I don't have a lot of time to go around knocking on doors or um, calling my congressman. Um, so I want to use the skills that I have in my tool belt to, to, to create change, which I think is, you know, is an important thing for everyone to understand is like when you're passionate about something, um, you're, you're 
way more likely to succeed at it, whether it's a business venture or or something that's charitably minded. I, I guess I'll throw one last thing in there that, you know, was a really big inspiration for me was um, it's a book by a man named Danny Meyer called Setting the Table. Danny Meyer owns the Union Square Hospitality Group, which um, runs three or four of the best restaurants in New York. He also um, runs Shake Shack. And for, you know, anyone outside of America, that might not mean anything, but it's a it's a pretty legendary brand. Yeah, for and, sure. and his, his whole thing is hospitality. But one of the ways he really spread the word early was that he was doing um, charitable of food events, so culinary events, to raise awareness for um, hunger within the city of New York and to uh, raise awareness for waste and for ways to serve food that um, was affordable. So it was something that he cared about, right, is the point that I'm getting at. And this is, I guess, the one inspiration piece that I would say to, to, for anyone who's listening could take away is once you can just sort of identify something that you're really passionate about, whether it's photography, whether it's teaching, um, or or maybe it's something that you don't do in your professional life, like, you know, like I don't, I'm, the, I'm not really that politically active in my professional life. I I like to get on the microphone when I'm DJing and, and yell about <laughs> a couple things talk about. Yeah, but um but this gives me an outlet to be active in that world and you know do it in a way that's really that comes naturally and easy to me. I'm an, I'm a natural event producer, I'm a natural DJ. Those are the things that I can do naturally without really thinking too too hard about it. Not everybody is like that, but um but trying to uncover a few things that you're really passionate about and putting some energy toward them without any concern as to the return. That's a really pure, gorgeous place to come from. When you can develop something like that, you it's, it's untold what the returns are going to be literally untold because you might not have any, but um, when you do, it'll be the purest form of it. And it is really addictive. Man, awesome. That's a, perfect way to wind it down <laughs> well look man well thanks thanks for, thanks for sharing some time and, and and putting some light on this because you know to me clearly it's a very important issue and i think it really speaks to the the audience as well because everybody needs to do things that they're passionate about 100 percent. well look man thanks uh, so much for your time i know you're a super busy guy and uh enjoy coachella if you get to go and see any of it <laughs> My pleasure, Cole. Have a great day. All right, take care. Take care. Later.